Welcome to another episode of 353rd on Miners Primer. And I'm Scott Barstow. Scott, I've wanted to talk to you about a really interesting problem that a lot of companies have, a number of companies, starting companies, new companies, where they are really, for one reason or another, either because they never had it or because they, they lost it, they, they need a strong technical leader. You generally call the CTO, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. That's right. Titles are relevant. Titles are totally irrelevant. So they are generally casting around to find somebody in that role, and either they they get somebody temporary or they luck out and, and find somebody who's well-aligned, and that never happens, right? Yeah, so, it's, a, it's certainly a very rare occurrence. Right. So you and I were talking uh, a while ago about this idea of a, you know, let's call it a rent a CTO role. Like, uh, so, so somebody that has proven technical leadership comes in and splits some of their time amongst you and a, a couple of other projects possibly, and just, you know, fulfills that role um, for some time. And so this is something that I believe you have been doing. So that's right. That's right. So I have to hear about it. I would add to your, if we go back and kind of frame the problem as you were, I think there are a couple of problems with the assumptions that people make when they start companies based on technology or that have a technology component. Yeah. So I think, first of all, almost every company at this point has some component where there's software being built. So if we take that as kind of the, the starting point, what tends to happen is that because someone has technology as a part of their company, they therefore make the leap because of all the romance around uh, what happens in Silicon Valley and all of that. They tend to then make the leap that they have to have a CTO, mm-hmm. right? So, and that person has to be a co-founder and they've got to be, you know, quote, strapped to the mast with them. And it's got to be all of these I guess, barriers or obstacles to get through that you then create a very high bar for someone to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in the re- so what ends up happening is that they spend a lot of time looking for that person. Yeah. Right? And so the, the natural outcome of that is that in reality, there's very few of those people around. Uh, and by very few, I don't mean five. I just mean that it might be one out of 75 or one out of 100 that's going to be qualified to be a true kind of technology company CTO. Yeah. And so it's not that they're not out there, but a lot everybody that can do that job is already already has one. Either they're running their own company or they're a part of a, uh, some other startup or they're working at IBM, you know, who knows. Sure. Right? Who knows what they're doing, but they're not sitting around. Yeah, that, that's one of the things. I, I go to a, a couple of these, uh, you know, uh, meetups where where you're talking to entrepreneurs and about entrepreneurship and this whole thing, and, and you get the question like a thousand times. Oh, yeah, you know, if you know anybody that, that knows technology, yes. uh, you know, we're, we're looking. <laughs> we and everybody else in the, in, the, in the, you know, universe is looking. That's right. And so... So you have this, you have a shortage of available people on one side of the equation. And then typically you've got on the other side, somebody who doesn't know how to hire 
yeah. for that position and doesn't know who to look for. And so what, what ends up happening is you spend a, a lot of time and waste a lot of money typically either burning through, you know, two or three candidates or, or just, you know, going through recruiting agencies and spending all this time Surely, uh, trying trying to find the right person. Right? It's, the, it's, the it's more than just right time. Person. There's you can waste a lot. You can go in the wrong direction doing that too. That's it's right. not just opportunity costs. It's not just like you know those things. It's getting. It's risking getting the wrong person in for a for a hopefully a short time and not losing the ship while that happens. That's right. Because the wrong person. I would argue is probably worse than having nobody. Right. Absolutely. Uh, because you, you tend to, <laughs> it's either they're the wrong person because they can't do the work or they're the wrong person because they're not, they don't fit. And the second one is a real problem because now you've got, you run the risk of poisoning the culture and the company and what you're trying to build. And then in an early stage, it's very difficult to get the chemistry right anyway. And if you have somebody that clearly doesn't fit. Yeah. That's now you've got to deal with getting them out. Yeah, sure. So you had all that time of getting them in only to figure out that they're not the right fit. And now you've got to get them out. Yeah. And so that's all, that takes a lot of time off of, you know, whoever's running the company. If it's, if it's primarily the leader's job to find the right people, which I would argue it is, you know, set the vision and find the right people and all of that sort of thing. Like, yep. They've spent a lot of they spend a lot of time on that. That's really their job. Yeah, <laughs> and you spend a lot of time on this role, this function that, in many cases, is just not required. Yeah, because you can with with the right help, you can make good decisions early on and have people who can get work done working for you that aren't necessarily. They don't have to be CTO level, mm-hmm. you know, to get to build your technology stack. That's not a requirement, and they don't have to be on the founding team to do a good job. That's mm-hmm. the other thing that everybody seems to think. It's like, oh, I need somebody that's right here with me. They've got to be here in my office every day. We've got to be staring at each other in order for this to work. And I think yeah. that was true. Well, that, I don't that, think that, I don't think that, it's true anymore. It, well, it could be true. Yes, it certainly could be true. But yes. it is well, the difference is, I think, what you're saying is it's not, does not necessarily true in every case. And in fact, you know, possibly many and maybe most cases, it's not necessary. Is what I think you're saying. that's right. <clears throat> I think that's true, particularly if you are not a true technology company. I mean, right. It'd be interesting to talk about, you know, what is what a technology company is. So I would consider, for instance, you work at Circle, yeah. the, the currency company, and that is a technology company. Like 90, you know, or 80% of the people who work there are engineers. Yeah. And it's an engineering focus. You're solving new problems, yeah. right? And there's lots of, there's things that are completely unknown that must be known. Mm-hmm. And... And the founders are, you know, they are engineers. They understand engineering. They've built engineering companies before. And that's a, for me, like, that's when you need that CTO who can tell because a company like Circle wants the best engineers in the room, right? And 
needs you know, needs has to have yeah. in order to be successful they right. have to have the very best yeah and in order to get a room full of people like that to work together that requires leadership and it requires somebody who has credibility and it requires all of these things that and that's a pure like that's a true CTO kind of opportunity yeah but most most opportunities are not like that yeah that's right i think most companies it's really a we have technology that needs to be built it yeah. may be a core component of what we're doing but uh, but it's either piecing together known technology or it's you know it's solving some smaller slightly novel problem or it's just putting things together in a way that makes an interesting business but the technology is not new right and there's lots of those kinds of opportunities and most businesses candidly are assembling pieces in a different way to make a new product yep. i mean snapchat is not the only reason that's an engineering problem is because they're massive yeah, it wasn't like it's a the scaling issue. You yeah, the app is not. Yeah, the app was nothing new in Snapchat. What's new about Snapchat is that they have got, they've got to figure it out for a billion people. Yeah, sure. Right, and so that's real engineering. Right, um, and so I think anyway, that's the. So I think there is a distinction there between a company that's a technology company and a company that uses technology. Right, that is very important. So let's so let's pull this apart then. Uh, a company is in this. Let's say a company uh, is in the situation, and they they want to you know go go the rent a CTO way because they understand that they are not inventing some new, never before seen technology. They're just doing a combinational play. So, a couple of questions. You know, how do you how do you find somebody that's that's going to do this? How do you structure? Or how does the person that is doing this structure the deal? Uh, are they are they you know strapped to the mast, uh, fully you know equity, or, or is it some kind of a split, or do they just straight up work on a market rate kind of thing? And then once you you know once you get going, how do you know how much you need that person? Do you you know do you need to be staring at them on the other side of the desk twenty four seven? Or do you know that, hey, you know, we really only need, you know, a couple of days a week, really just need you to set the set the direction and the, the people we have will kind of plug forward. And then when we see you next week, uh, you kind of do a recheck and figure out if the market, the target has moved a little bit and then reset things. And then, you know, we'll see you again the week after that. How do you, how yeah. do you figure those <laughs> things out? Yeah, I think the... Yeah, so there's a lot of questions in yeah. there. I'll start with the I'll start with the one of how you find somebody. I think the for me, so I've been since really since the first of the year, I've been uh, doing some combination of this role plus you know probably something else more more pure what I would call pure consulting, which is hey, you need me to solve this problem and it's right. going to be this amount of money. And I'm going to work with you for two weeks. Very defined. Right. A defined outcome and all of that. So I think there's that kind of traditional consulting, which, uh, which you can do but is less interesting. I think the, generally what I've found to be, um, <clears throat> in terms of people finding me, my, my, uh, I guess what I've done to help facilitate that is that I tend to go and meet with people who are meeting with companies. Yeah. So that would be 
I might go have uh, coffee with a VC who's funding, you know, companies that are at the stage where I feel like I fit best. Uh-huh. And it's not always, you know, somebody that's right out of the gate because generally they're trying to figure out what the product is and they don't have money. Right. Um, so that's not necessarily where the best fit is. It might be after they've raised that initial round of capital or <laughs> they've had some traction with the product. Um, mm-hmm. And they're like, holy crap, this could actually work. Uh, I think so. What I've done is I've been intentional about meeting with people who are in front of companies all the time. So you're trying to become part of a VC's value network to a that's right to that's a, right. a funded business. That's right. Yeah, got it. And I think what's what's great about that is that you get it's very it's a very natural conversation when the especially if I've invested in a company and they're having a problem and I have in the back, I have in my quiver, you know, Oh, well, Scott, I know Scott could probably help solve this problem. So I'm going to loop him into this conversation. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like that's a pretty natural way. I also go to, I go to very few of them, but I go to some of the better, uh, I guess, entrepreneurs meetups in the area. Yep. And I might do that once every two or three months. Mm-hmm. And just show up and um, and make myself available in that context as well. So I think that's like that's how I get people. That's how I have. That's how I get to the first conversation. Uh-huh. And then from there, what tends to what I tend to do is just ask them what they need help with. Yeah. And and that's a everybody needs help. Yeah. And so it's a very easy, natural conversation. For them to say, and they'll just start spewing, right? I've got, I've got this <laughs> thing, I've got that thing, I've got the other thing, yeah. and generally, what I, what I'll do is just, okay, well, I'll, I'm happy to help you out with that, and, and I don't ask for money. It's just, you know, I'm, it's just my demonstration of creating value without asking for anything in return initially. Yeah. Okay. Just, I'll help you out on this thing. Uh, you know, here's somebody I know that can help you with that. Here's how I would think about that problem. Here's how you might hire this person. Here's what I would do. You know, put them through this process and let me know how it goes. And I'm happy to help you or whatever the, there's a lots of different problem domains where it's just like, I have the answer because I've done it so many times Yeah. and they're doing it for the first time. So me being, me having, you know, me spending five or 10 minutes with them and saying, here's how I do it, uh, gets them over the hump and gets them moving on mm-hmm. whatever the problem is. And so it's a very natural evolution at that point. The next time they have a problem, it's like, oh, hey, Scott, what do you think about X? Yeah. And it just tends to get deeper and deeper. Uh-huh. And the problems tend to get you know, more complex. And at some point, there's a very natural conversation we had where it's just like, I'd love to help you out with this, and here's what it might look like. And so for me, you asked the question about you know, how do you structure yeah. deals, I think. Um, what's great about this for, for me is that I tend to get, uh, I can look at, I get inside looks at really great companies, um, at really interesting times in their evolution. And so the decision about, well, should I, is this, should I just take kind of current market rates and, you know, figure out what that looks like and just have it be a cash deal or, should I, is there, is this interesting enough? Is the problem interesting enough that I want to hang around for the next, you know, nine months or a year? Yeah. Um, and I think, 
And if that's the case, then I think there's an opportunity to say, you know, I'd be interested in taking less money, but I'd like some upside in whatever's going on here. Sure. So, so I so think you, I answered all your questions. You but did. So, so you gotta you gotta have some time with the company to get inside to understand what the what the real problems are and and obviously what the market opportunity is, right? So, at the outset, you're 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 demonstrating, let's just say for free, uh, some value. And then you're you're coming in and you know pretty much more of a straightforward play and then eventually you know straightforward market kind of a play if that makes sense and then when you're embedded like a tick and you understand the market and the opportunity and the and then that's the point where you might move to an equity because I mean the the difference there is you go to this this entrepreneurial meetup place you find essentially a co-founder that is looking for a technical person, you strap yourself to that one company and then, then that's it. That's right. So then the, the, uh, the next question I have is, so how do you, how many of these can you do and, or, and does that vary? And, um, you know, when, when you're kind of up to speed and running with, you know, one kind of a company, like if you're strapped to the mast and you have uh, full equity and, and, and it's requiring, requiring most of your time, then I can imagine, you know, you're doing just one project. But is there a, a happy medium where you can work at a couple of different opportunities, maybe two or three, or maybe more, I don't know. And, you know, I don't know, keep all the technology straight, understand each of the different markets, where do you break down? Yeah, I think the, so what I, at, at the outset of this, I would have said, oh, there's a, you can do this across, you know, four or five opportunities and at a time and, you know, just slice your time and, and kind of go, you know, have that kind of variety. I yeah. don't believe that's true after doing it for, you know, these first really six months or so. Yeah. It feels to me more like it's at max three and probably more like two. Two. Okay. And, the, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One yeah. is uh, is a domain switching. So everybody knows that the cost to switch is is high, especially in tech. So if you're, I don't know if everybody knows that. Actually. Uh, if you don't, yeah. So <laughs> so if you're if you're the the momentum that you get from working on. A, a known set of problems every day and being able to work in that same problem context. Yeah. Every time you sit down is extremely valuable because your brain, when you're not working on it, is still working on it. That's right. It's still working on those problems. So you get this, you get this really cool torque at some point where it's just like the problem, everything just starts to roll yeah. in, in solving the problem. And I think the price that you pay to switch Context whether so if you were, you know, working at Circle and you had you know product A that you were working on half of your time and product B that you were working on half of your time, that in and of itself would be you would pay a price every time you moved from problem A to problem B. Absolutely, and that happens for sure. Yeah, and a way, the way a lot of people would solve that is they work on problem A for a block of time, say four or five hours. They go you know, have lunch or exercise or whatever, and then they come back and they their brain's cleared and they might sit down and start working on problem B. Yeah. The, what's been interesting is, so you have that problem, 
you have the just the context switching problem of I was working on this thing over here and now I'm working on that thing over there. And that's a and technical they, thing. Like I'm changing yep. languages, I'm changing libraries. How do you, I forget how you, you know, do something very simple in one language because my head is in the other language and I would have yep. done it this way. Right. Yeah. So you, so you have just not only the problem thing, but you also have what you just talked about, which is company A might be working in node and company B might be working in uh, Ruby. Sure. And so there's the challenge of just, okay, I was, you know, this morning I was thinking about this problem and I was looking at uh, Node.js code. This afternoon I'm working on this other problem and I'm looking at Ruby code and it's yeah. like, and your brain at times just absolutely melts. <laughs> because it, you just, it, there's this moment where you're sitting there thinking, okay, I know how to do a loop in Ruby, but I, for the life of me, I can't remember, yeah. right? It's like the base, the most basic things Yeah. sometimes will just, your mind will just lock. So if that's the case in the basic things, you got to imagine that that is the case on the more esoteric. You don't have a prayer on the that's more right. esoteric things. <laughs> right. So it gets very challenging yeah. to do that. So I think the, what I've learned is that, uh, having alignment around, um, technology is way more important than I thought it would uh -huh. would be, and it makes sense once you kind of go through it yeah. and deal with the problem. But having to switching problems is not switching problem domains is not as much of a problem for me as getting my head out of one technology and into another. Yeah, I can totally understand that. I, I work with a couple of different technologies, uh, in this case uh, Node.js and Java, and context switching between the two they they both have their benefits and and their negatives and yeah i mean you know just i i, I <laughs> there are some simple things that that you forget if you've been in the other one a little long um yep. so yeah for sure yeah and it, it's little things like it reared its head yesterday when i had i'd i had done some work in java and somebody was reviewing it yeah, and they uh, uh, they made a comment in it. They said, "Have you been in Java? Have you been in Node too long?" And they kind of wink, wink, smile, smile, <laughs> because I was doing called things. you out. Yeah, I was doing things that yeah. in Java land didn't make any sense, but yeah. in Node made perfect sense. Yeah, and so it was just you, and you just run across those, and you're like, "Oh, of course." Yeah, you know, somebody points it out to you. So I think that's the the thing that I'm trying to figure out now is. Um, is how to manage that, and I think uh -huh. it, it might be something where uh, where you're spending you know a full day on something, and then the next day you're spending a full day on something else, uh, rather than trying to do two things in the same day or three things in the same day. Right. It what, might be more. <clears throat> the boundaries might have to be more clear. So what if you what if you had uh, three or four companies doing something in Node.js only? that were technically very similar. Let's say they're just, they're all basically rest interfaces and whatnot. So that the only context switch you're doing outside of maybe a different set of libraries and obviously a different set of people is the business context switching. I think that, that would be a, a vastly better yeah, environment to work in. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> and I think what I've found is that the, for better or for worse, a lot of startups work in Ruby yeah, and so I think if if I were to make that decision, I would probably have to be 
you know, I'd look Ruby for companies and... that are in Ruby because yeah. mm-hmm. that seems to be the choice. And there's a lot of, you know, everybody, if you go to a code academy or some, you know, code training scores, that's what they're teaching you. Yeah. And so there's a lot of uh, feet on the street, you know, coders that know Ruby already. Uh-huh. And so that's where people tend to gravitate because they can find talent. Um, so I think if I had to, if at some point it comes down to that, uh, and that's how it plays out. It would probably be that's probably a direction I'm gonna have to go. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So then, uh, so then, where does this go? Like, what are the egg? How do you exit out of this? Like, when do you know you're not needed anymore? I mean, are are companies like looking for a, a permanent technical leader? Do they re, do they think they can kind of go get all the way through? You know to the end with uh with while renting a essentially a cto right that's a great question i think the role that i feel like i fit or the place where i feel like i fit is more of a bridge role yeah okay so So are you helping look yes there are times when like uh for instance right now i'm helping a company find a technical leader a full-time technical lead yeah so you're so you're in, heavily involved in this process. They are relying on you, really, to I would imagine to vet them. Um, obviously, the founders are are going to be the ones to know the cultural fit and and all of this. But they're looking to you for the the uh, all of the technical leadership stuff. So you you vet them, right? That's right. That's right. And so, your, I th- yeah, I think the. And I don't have any problem doing that because I don't mind moving on. Because you want to move on, essentially. Yeah, I mean, if I found, I think if I found something where I didn't want to move on, I would just join full time. Right. And that would be that. I would just take the role. Yeah. And step in and do. I think the the opportunity seems to be there's a. It's really freeing, I think, for a company to be able to say, I have this window where I need this role filled. And once I get past this, if somebody can help me get past this window, then uh, at, at that point, that'll give me some breathing room to f- try and find whoever I think the full-time person might be. So I think taking the pressure off, if we go back to the start of the conversation where um, we talked about like this pressure to find you know a match both technically and culturally and like the 10 things that have to line up for that to be a true co-founder. Yeah. Uh, so if you take the pressure off of that decision and say, you have a tactical need, and it might even be a strategic need, right? But I can, you know, if I can step in and play that, play that part and take the pressure off of the company in the early days yeah. while they're trying to figure out, you know, how, <clears throat> excuse me, how to sell their product yeah. and and all the the 900 other problems that a business is trying to solve in those very early times, it seems to me that uh, if you can sort of relieve some of the pressure on that decision and say, I'm going to take this and you're not going to have to worry about it. Uh, you're going to have to hire people around me because I'm not going to sit here and write code for you all day. Yeah. So, but I'm going to bring people in that will do the, you know, the grunt work every day. Yeah, not grunt work, but just the well, the the block and tackle, the heavy yeah, lifting, the line coding, that sure. the, all the stuff that has to be done. Um, you don't want me doing that anyway, yeah. because it's it's you're just expensive not, to do that yeah, too. too. And yeah. so I'm going to bring 
resources to bear and a methodology that will work for this point in your company. Yeah. doesn't mean that it's going to work forever, but it'll work right now. And then that gives you time to go find customers and start to have a business that can scale. Yeah. And once you find that, you, do, you, know, you can go raise money and you can hire the right people and you'll have people coming to you. You'll have developers come. If you're doing well, yeah. finding people to step in and sure. you know, yeah. if you can pay them, yeah. if you can pay them well and they get a, you know, a slug of some equity or upside in options or whatever, there's a lot of people willing to take that role. There's far less willing, well, at least in this area, in Raleigh-Durham, there's far less uh, technologists that are willing to step in at that more risky stage. Yeah. And I don't know if this is going to work and I'm taking a pay cut. Yes, I'm getting some upside, but who knows what that's going to be worth. And I've got this great paying job where it might work out in five years. So I'll take that. I'll right. stay here. So the right. sweet spot then for you is finding those companies that are, that have just gotten their, you know, their first round or their angel round or where they've gotten some seed money. They, they, know what they're doing and obviously because they they've gotten that far um you 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 are the bridge between that and then when maybe when the product is a bit more uh solidified in the market or or you know it's pretty it's a lot more obvious that that this company is gonna actually flourish um you're you're acting as that bridge that's right yeah 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 so it's it's uh, I haven't figured the whole thing out yet. Yeah. And like I said, there's, it's as likely that I'll run into a company where I'm like, holy cow, you know, sure, I've got, right. I've got to jump in. got to do this. Right. Yeah. yeah. But as of now, you know, that I haven't found all of the things that we talked about at the beginning about the cultural fit and all of those things. I haven't found that yet. Yeah, sure. And yeah. so it's as, it's as important to me to find that all of the, that all of those things line up as it is to the guy trying to hire me or trying to hire that CTO. Yeah. I think what's, what I've realized is that, you know, I'm not interested in just taking something because the company might do well. Like there's a lot more factors. And I know, you know, this from working at circle, like the guys you, Jeremy Allaire and the guys you work for and yeah. work with, like those guys are absolutely top shelf guys. And that's a that's a very rare uh, it's a very rare set of circumstances and right. so yeah taking the time to find that to me is quite valuable uh-huh yeah for sure I mean you know it it does I mean that's that's something that uh, you know I, it's, I mean we we've both benefited from working with uh, David Morkin at bandwidth we've you know it almost made it simple because uh, you know, here's somebody that, that we knew and trusted and, and, uh, you know, was a great leader. Uh, so you almost take for granted, uh, that you're, that you're working in an environment where there's a good match like that. And there's a, a very significant level of trust, uh, between you and the, and the, really the top of the company, um, which, yeah, you, which is what I, yeah, what I've found is I don't think, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well at this point is that. I don't think I understood how rare that is. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. you kind of show up at this company and it just works and yeah. you think, Oh, well that's how it's going to be the next time I show up at a company. And you realize that 
99.5% of the people out there you don't want to work with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. so it's a, it's just a very rare, uh, it's a very rare set of thing or a, a rare combination of timing and people. And, and so that's what you then go looking for the next time around. Right. That's right. right. So you, so you, 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 you luck into it, then you experience lack of it. Then you intentionally look for it. And you're very happy when you find it. I think most of my uh, technical career has been um, building that network, that group of people that I, you know, would absolutely trust with a certain problem. That I would, you know, that are go-to's on 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 various things that have everything to do with the, you know, make or break it kind of decisions. Um, you know, those, those people that you would go to war with in a, in a heartbeat if, if they called up, you know, yep. they, the, the phone rings and says, look, you know, we're, we're building a company that's going to send rockets into space. Uh, we're doing it now. Let's go. And you would probably say, okay, here we go. Let's that's do right. It. You know, that's yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, it's really interesting. Uh, we will, we will keep, uh, we'll keep tabs on your uh, experiment there. And see how this goes. I, I do think that this is a um, sort of a, a like a new area that that I'm hearing about this idea from multiple angles. So it's great to see. You know, we have we have feet on the ground, <laughs> direct experience uh, to rely on. Uh, we'll keep checking in with you on it. Yeah, and I think the what's going because technology expertise is the demand is going up and the available pool is getting smaller. Yeah. <laughs> the companies, companies are going to have to adjust how they think about this problem. It's no longer, I think the days are more or less gone where it's like, Hey, uh, you know, unless you're at Stanford or, you know, one of the top schools and you meet people there that, you know, you can go, you know, go do stuff with. Yeah. Like the, the opportunity for you to run into those people, uh, is getting harder and harder because the market is getting tighter and it's not going to change. I think the the stats about technology shortages over the next 10 years is staggering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think what's coming is a, I'm not saying I'm a part of some, you know, mega trend or something like that, but I think what's going to happen is that the flexibility around how deals are structured and how people work at uh, work at a company is especially in a technology leadership position, I think is going to change. Yeah. Um, I don't know that what I've got is the right model, but I think there's going to be something like that where it's not just pouring everything you have necessarily into one company. So yeah. anyway, we'll see. Yeah. Interesting. Look forward to it. Yep. All right. Till next time. This is. Thanks for listening. Third. Yeah. Adios.